We're going to be in the book of Isaiah today. So if you want to start to open up and get to that. Uh, I'm sure you've all done as a, a kid a very fun and easy activity. You've probably done color or paint by number. It's a, a very simple premise, right, where there's a picture that's already created for you. And the creator made it even easier by putting little numbers into the different sections of the picture. And all of those numbers coordinate with a color. So all you need to do is look at what the number is, it tells you the color, and then you put that into the picture. And when you're all done, you have a complete picture of what the artist or the creator wanted you to exactly see what that looked like. And today, in the book of Isaiah, that's actually what Isaiah is doing for God's people. He's giving them a template, a color by number, a paint by number, if you will, of the coming savior. And we'll get a final portrait of what that looks like in the end of Isaiah. And so to give some context, again, God has ruled over his people. Uh, and in the process, uh, God gave leaders like Abraham and Moses and Joshua and the judges. And then they said, we want to be like everyone else. And God warned them of what might happen. But yet they persisted to want a human king like everyone else. And so God gave them Saul and he gave them King David and he gave them Solomon. And then we have the divided kingdom. And in the divided kingdom, and this is where we're at right now, is we're talking about all of these different prophets, all of these men that have, have come from on God's behalf and spoke into the lives of these people, both warning and hope of what is to come and with the hopes that there is salvation and repentance and confession can be had by all people. And so Isaiah is writing during a time where uh, Judah is potentially going to be invaded by Assyria. Assyria is getting ready to capture the northern kingdom of Israel. So we're talking around 760, 720 B.C. This is the time that Isaiah is speaking. And, and the, the entire book really is kind of broken up into two big chunks. The first 39 chapters of Isaiah is really about the judgment, not just for God's people, but it's also a judgment for the nations all around the world. And then after chapters 39, the last 26 is where Isaiah really begins to focus on the hope that God's people can have. And so in the first 12 chapters, God gives Isaiah a vision and he says, this is, this is what I want you to speak about. This is how I want you to prophesy. So starting in chapter one of verse one, it says, the vision concerning Judah and Jerusalem that Isaiah, son of Amoz, saw during the reigns of Isaiah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah. Hear, O heavens, listen, O earth, for the Lord has spoken. I have reared children and brought them up, and they have rebelled against me. The ox knows its master, the donkey its own manager, but Israel does not know. My people do not understand. Ah, sinful nation! A people loaded with guilt, a brood of evildoers, children given to corruption. They have forsaken the Lord. They have spurred the Holy One of Israel and turned their backs on him. So God said, I, I made my children. I, I brought them to life and all they've done is rebelled against me. They're corrupt. They're vile individuals. They don't even know who I am. And God continues in verse 13. He says, stop bringing meaningless offerings. Your incense is detestable to me. New moons, Sabbaths, and convocations, I cannot bear your evil assemblies. 
Your new moon festivals and your appointed feast my soul hates. They've become a burden to me. I am wary of bearing them. When you spread out your hands in prayer, I will hide my eyes from you. Even if you offer many prayers, I won't listen. Your hands are full of blood. Wash and make yourselves clean. Take your evil deeds out of my sight. Stop doing wrong. Learn to do right. Seek justice. Encourage the oppressed. Defend the cause of the fatherless. Plead the case of the widow. Now come, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they are red as crimson, they shall be like wool. If you are willing and obedient, you will eat the best from the land. But if you resist and rebel, you will be devoured by the sword, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. See how the faithful city has become a harlot. She was once full of justice, righteousness, used to dwell in her, but now murderers. He says, look, you've become so corrupt that even when you come to me to worship, to offer sacrifices, it means absolutely nothing to me because you are evil, sinful people. You don't have a heart that desires me. And so no matter how many times you offer up these prayers, I I know the heart behind it is empty. And so it's not going to matter. And he says, you've become a harlot. All you're doing is chasing after other gods. You don't really want me. But he offers a nugget of hope there. He offers this beautiful peace where he says, your sins are like scarlet, but they will be washed white as snow. He says, look, there's an opportunity in all of this. There's a chance for repentance. There's a chance where you can confess what you've done to turn your hearts back to me. And I will forgive and I will heal you. And you will get to enjoy the blessing and the prosperity of life under my care. So this is the idea that goes on. And in Isaiah chapter 6, we have this famous passage where he says to Isaiah, he says, go, tell this people. He says, be ever hearing but never understanding. Be ever seeing but never perceiving. Make the heart of this people calloused. Make their ears dull and close their eyes. Otherwise they might see with their eyes and hear with their ears. Understand with their hearts. Turn and be healed. And then I said, Isaiah said, for how long, Lord? How long do I have to preach this message? And he answers, until the city is life, ruined and without inhabitant. Until the houses are left and deserted and the fields ruined and ravaged. Until the Lord has sent everyone far away. And the land is utterly forsaken. So he says, Isaiah, you need to preach this message of judgment. He goes, well, how long am I going to preach it? He goes, until I've come and I've brought judgment. Until I've brought destruction on these people. But he goes, you need to understand that when you preach this message, Isaiah, they're not going to listen to you. It's going to fall on deaf ears. Their, Their hearts are so calloused. Their hearts are so hard. They're so bent on sin and rebellion that they don't want to listen to you. Now, many people will interpret this and say, but, but is, is God saying he doesn't want people to be saved? No, that's not what God is telling Isaiah at all. He's simply giving Isaiah into a glimpse that you, you're in a tough spot here. You're preaching a message that people don't want to hear and a message that people don't want to respond to. But nevertheless, Isaiah is called to preach this message. 
And so again, he, he spends the, the first sections pronouncing this judgment upon the world. But he offers a glimpse of hope. He offers a glimpse of the future. In, in Isaiah chapter 2, and starting in verse 1, it says, This is what Isaiah, son of Amoz, saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. He said, In the last days the mountain of the Lord's temple will be established. As chief among the mountains, it will be raised above the hills, and all the nations will stream to it. Many peoples will come and say, Come, let us go to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob. He will teach us his ways, so that we may walk in his paths. The law will go out from Zion, the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He will judge between the nations and will settle disputes for many people. They will beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation will take up sword against nation, nor will they train for war anymore. Come, O house of Jacob, let us walk in the light of the Lord. He says, look, people of Judah, there's going to be a kingdom that comes. There's going to be a, a king that comes in the future. And people will be at peace and we will hear God's word. We will take our swords and, and not need them anymore. That will turn it into farming utensils. Because that's where we're going to be at. When this kingdom comes, this is what the, the, the life will be like. And so Isaiah establishes this motif through, through the book of Isaiah of, of two kingdoms. One that honors the Lord and a kingdom that doesn't. A ruler that honors the Lord and a ruler that doesn't. And again, he's calling his people to say, repent, repent and follow God. Now, it's interesting that in this, he, he makes a connection to this idea of a tree. Because he says in Isaiah chapter 10, he says, see the Lord, the Lord Almighty will lop off the, the boughs with great power. The lofty trees will be felled and the tall ones will be brought low. He will cut down the forest thickets with an axe. Lebanon will fall before the mighty one. He says, here's what's going to happen to Judah. Judah's going to be like a tree. And I'm going to cut it down. I'm going to cut down its pride and its disobedience. And I'm going to cut down its rebellion. But in the very next verse, here's what he says. He says, a shoot will come from the stump of Jesse. From its roots, a branch will bear fruit. He says, look, Judah's going to fall. Judah's going to face judgment and destruction. But out of this fallen tree, out of this fallen Judah, out of my people is going to emerge one that's going to rule that kingdom that I've already spoken about. Out of this is going to come one that will bring fruit and prosperity and blessing. And that is the one that we are going to put our hope in and wait for patiently. And he says it's going to come from Jesse. If you don't know, Jesse was the father of King David. And King David is the one that God made a promise to in 2 Samuel 7. He says, when your days are over and you rest with your ancestors, I will raise up your offspring to succeed you. Your own flesh and blood, I will establish his kingdom. He is the one who will build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. He's saying, David, out of you will come the Messiah, will come the Savior. This, this stump of Jesse, that is the one that's coming. I've made a promise, and I will fulfill that promise to you. And in Isaiah 6, 13, he says, this stump, this branch is, is the holy seed. 
So now he's beginning to, to paint a little into this, that there's going to be a holiness to who this individual is. And when he emerges, this is what the kingdom's going to look like in, in Isaiah chapter 4. He says, in that day, the branch of the Lord will be beautiful and glorious. The fruit of the land will be, will be the pride and glory of the saviors in Israel. Those who are left in Zion who remain in Jerusalem will be called holy. And all who are recorded among the living in Jerusalem, the Lord will wash away the filth of the women of Zion. He will cleanse the bloodstains from Jerusalem by a spirit of judgment and a spirit of fire. Then the Lord will create over all of Mount Zion and those who assemble there a cloud of smoke by day and a glow of flaming fire by night. Over everything, the glory will be a canopy. It will be a shelter and shade from the heat of the day and a refuge and a hiding place from the storm and the rain. He says it's going to be a beautiful day when he shows up, guys. It's going to be like a canopy that just is over us. That, that when the, the, the heat is out, we will sit under it. And when the storms come, we will be in his shelter and under his protection. It's going to be a beautiful day when he emerges. And when he rules, we also see this in Isaiah chapter 9. He says, for us to a child is born. To us a son is given and the government will be on his shoulders. He will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness. From that time on forever, the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. I mean, wouldn't it be great to have a, a, a ruler, a president that would rule like this, that would be wise and just, uh, a man of peace, a kingdom that will be established on the premise of righteousness, not our righteousness, but God's righteousness. And he said, that's what the kingdom is going to be like. That's how this man is going to rule. And he follows this in chapter 11. He continues to speak about who this individual is. And in chapter 11 or verse 2, he says, The spirit of the Lord will rest on him. The spirit of wisdom and understanding. The spirit of counsel and of power. The spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And he will delight in the fear of the Lord. He will not judge by what he sees with his eyes or decide what he, hear, what he hears with his ears, but with righteousness he will judge the needy. With justice he will give decisions for the poor of the earth. He will strike the earth with the rod of his mouth, with the breath of his lips he will slay the wicked. Righteousness will be his belt and faithfulness the sash around his waist. He says the spirit of God will be on this man. The spirit of God's wisdom will counsel him and how to rule. And we will delight in it because what is he going to do? He's going to provide justice to the needy of this population and to this world. He's going to care for humanity. And he continues in verse 6. He says, The wolf will lie with the lamb. The leopard will lie down with the goat. The calf and the lion and the yearling together. And a little child will lead them. The cow will feed with the bear. Their young will lie down together. And the lion will eat straw like the ox. The infant will play near the hole of the cobra. And the young child put his hand into the viper's nest. 
They will neither harm nor destroy on all of my holy mountain, for the earth will be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. And in that day, the root of Jesse will stand as a banner for the peoples, the nations will rally to him. And this place of peace will be glorious. And in that day, the Lord will reach out his hand a second time to reclaim the remnant that is the left of his people from Assyria, from lower Egypt, from upper Egypt, from Cush, from Elam, from Babylonia, from Hamath, from the islands of the sea. He will raise a banner for the nations and gather the exiles. Guys, this is going to be so great. I mean, think about that for a moment. You could put your hand in the nest of a viper. You could put a little child and that child can play with a cobra. I mean, it'd be like Republicans and Democrats actually getting along. That's what this world is going to be like. That we could just live at peace, to never have to lock a door, to never feel that I, I can't walk down a city street at night. Because the ruler that will come will establish that sense of peace. And not only that, but he's going to plant a banner. That banner is going to be a sign and a symbol for all people. It's going to be a rallying cry. Come here and enjoy the blessings. And people from all over the world are going to see that banner and say, that's where I want to live. That is the king who I want to live under. And God will gather his people. And so Isaiah is communicating all of this to God's people. Now, I have to think that as you're listening to this, that somebody in that, that crowd, as Isaiah spoke, that somebody had to say, who is it? When is this guy going to come? And Isaiah says, I'll give you a hint. I'll give you a clue to watch for it. And so in Isaiah chapter 7, he says, here's the sign. This is what you're looking for when you need to know who this guy is. He says, therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. See, what you're looking for is a birth like no other. It, it, it has to be a miracle that a virgin would get pregnant and give birth to the Savior. It's when it happens, you'll know because this is going to be shouted from the heavens. It's going to be all over the news because people are going to be like, wait. A virgin gave birth. How does that happen unless it's a miracle of God? And he says, that's what you're watching for. That's what you're watching for. When that happens, all of this that I've spoken to you of, that's the guy that will come and set this right. So what do the people of God do? They get down on their knees and they confess and they repent and they say, yes, we're looking for this guy, right? That's what they do. No, remember, God has already told Isaiah, they're not going to listen to you. And so they continue in their sins. And then the Babylonians come in and take them over in 586 BC and they're cast into exile. Now, when they're in exile... We also see Isaiah speaking to them. And in verse 40 of chapter, of verse 20, uh, chapter 40, verse 27, the people in exile say this. They say, God, why, why do you complain, Jacob? Why do you say, Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord? My cause is disregarded by my God. See, the people go into exile and they go, why has God abandoned us? 
Why has God left us? Why has not God heard our cries? God, are you not listening to me? And Isaiah's like, oh, guys, guys, have you, have you forgot what we've been communicating to you? God, God hasn't abandoned you. He hasn't ignored your plight. And so after chapter 40, God start, Isaiah starts to shift to a message of hope because they, they, they feel that God has not given them any hope. So he says, all right, judgment's come. I promise that. That's what has happened. But now I need to give you hope. And in verse 40 of one, he says, comfort, comfort my people. And in verse 48, he says, but you, O Israel, my servant Jacob, who I have chosen, you descendants of Abraham, my friend, I took you from the ends of the earth, from the farthest corners, I called you and I said, you are my servant. I have chosen you and I've not rejected you. So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Guys, don't, I, know, I know it seems bad right now, but don't worry, don't fret. Don't stress. God is still with you. He says, the problem is you guys didn't finish the picture. You stopped coloring by number. Remember, I I told you this is what you're going to look for. And you were supposed to keep coloring, but then you stopped. So I says, you know what? I'm going to help finish this picture for you. I'm going to to lead you how how to finish this. So that way you are certain of the hope that is coming for you. But God's people are like, but Isaiah, we've been been conquered. I mean, we're sitting in exile. You're, You're telling me that there's hope? I mean, our temple's been destroyed. How are we supposed to worship? I'm sitting here in the bonds of captivity. And Isaiah says, let's just finish the picture. Okay. So he says, if you if you need further hope, here's something else. He says, there's going to be a voice of one calling in the wilderness. Prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be raised up and every mountain and hill made low. The rough ground shall become level. The rugged places a plain. And the glory of the Lord will be revealed and all people will see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. He says, there, there's, there's one that's still coming. Remember the branch? He's still coming. But here's something else. Not only are you looking for the virgin birth, but there's going to be a messenger that comes ahead of him. There's going to be a messenger that comes that's telling you he's on his way. So be listening for his voice as well. So you can take comfort in this because, again, God will not fail to come through on his promise. But he says, I'm not done yet. I've got some more for you. And in chapter 42, he says, here's my servant. Whom I uphold, my chosen one in whom I delight. I will put my spirit on him and he will bring justice to the nations. He will not shout or cry out or raise his voice in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break and a smoldering wick he will not snuff out. In the faithfulness, he will bring forth justice. He will not falter or be discouraged till he establishes justice on earth. In his teaching, the islands will put their hope. So he, he says there's a servant coming. The branch, that's, that's the servant now. And the kind of guy that he's going to be, he's going to be gentle. He's going to be compassionate. I mean, that, that's, the, that's the character that you're looking for in this man. 
And he's going to bring justice. He's going to bring a, a soft touch to humanity. He's not going to be like a bull in a china shop, guys. Okay, if that's what you're thinking, that's not going to be him. If you're thinking he's going to come in and he's got ripped muscles and he's going to come with a sword and he's just going to strike everyone, that's not the guy. And he says, quite frankly, it's, it's going to kind of be the opposite. He says, I have offered my back to those who beat me, my cheeks to those who pulled out my beard. I did not hide my face from mocking and spitting. See, he's actually going to endure humiliation. The guy that we want is going to be willing to turn his cheek and take the abuse. And he says, but I want to give you a little bit more. Let's color a little more of the picture here. And so we go to Isaiah chapter 52. And starting in verse 13, he says, if you really want to know who this guy is, if you want to know what you're watching for, this is what you're going to be looking for. He says, see, my servant will act wisely. He will be raised and lifted up and highly exalted. Just as there were many who were appalled at him, his appearance was so disfigured beyond that of any man and his form was marred beyond human likeness. So he will sprinkle many nations and kings will shut their mouths because of him. For what they were not told, they will see. and What they have not heard, they will understand. Who has believed our message? To whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him. Nothing in his appearance that we should desire. He was despised and rejected by man, a man of sorrows and familiar with suffering. Like one from whom men hid their faces, he was despised and not esteemed. And he took up our infirmities and he carried our sorrows. And he considered him stricken by God, smitten by him and afflicted. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought peace was upon him and by his wounds we are healed. We are like sheep who have gone astray. Each of us has turned his own way and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted. He didn't open his mouth. He was like a lamb led to a slaughter. And as sheep before his shears, he is silent. So he didn't open his mouth. By oppression and judgment, he was taken away. And who can speak of his descendants? He was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgressions of my people, he was stricken. And he was assigned a grave with the wicked, with the rich in his death. And though he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. And though the Lord made his life a guilt offering, he will see his offspring and prolong his days. And the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. He says, if you want to know the hope, if you want to know the Messiah, you'll watch for the virgin birth. You'll listen for the messenger. You watch for the guy of compassion and gentleness. You're looking for the man who you look at and say, the spirit of God has to be on him. There's no way that he can act the way that he does unless the spirit of God is on him. And if you're still not sure, when he is beaten beyond all recognition, when he is raised up and he is pierced in his side and he doesn't put up a fight, when, when they abuse and they beat him and he just takes it on the chin, 
He says, that's the guy you're watching for. Because see, when all of that happens, when he's lifted up and he gives up his life for you, then you will find the forgiveness of your sins. That is when you will be healed. And he'll be buried in a grave like a criminal, even though he did nothing wrong. Why? Because this was God's will for salvation. That God would send a Savior to suffer and die for you and I. Because there's no greater example of love than someone who is willing to lay down his life. Someone who is willing to bear our injustice, though they've done nothing wrong. And so this is what Isaiah says to his children. This is what Isaiah says to God's people. You have rebelled and you will be punished. But do not worry because there is a hope. There is a redeemer and there is a savior that will come. And when he comes, he will set you free from the captivity of sin and death. And so when they finish coloring in the picture... He says, this is the portrait of the king. What I want you to do is I want you to take that picture and put it in your pocket. And you carry it with you wherever you go. And that's what you watch for. And that's where your hope is. And then 600 years after the words of Isaiah, we come to the book of Luke. And Jesus reads in the book of Luke from Isaiah chapter 61. And it says, he went to Nazareth where he'd been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue as was his custom. And he stood up to read and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written. The spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, and to proclaim the the year of the Lord's favor. And then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and he sat down. And the eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fasted on him. And he began by saying to them, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. 600 years later, Jesus reads the words of Isaiah. And he says, what I just read to you has been fulfilled. The one that Isaiah said was coming. He says, guys, that's me. I have come to be your king. And I have come to suffer and die to atone for your sins. And so again, Isaiah says, keep that picture in your pocket and wait. And when you get discouraged, pull out the picture and look at it and say, I know my Savior's coming and put it back in your pocket. And when you get discouraged, pull it out and put it back. And then, then as you begin to see the signs, when you hear of the virgin birth and you hear the messenger that's coming, you take the picture out. 
and you start to walk around and you look at the men that you think it might be and you hold it next to their face and when they get to Jesus and they're saying, this is the guy that Isaiah told us about, does it match up? It does. It does. This is the Savior who's come for us. And that is the entire book of Isaiah. It's really not about judgment and hope. You know, Isaiah's name means the Lord saves. And that's what Isaiah is doing for them. He's painting them a picture of salvation that was to come. He paints them a portrait of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. God, Lord, I am just, Lord, thank you for letting us know exactly who you are. Lord, you gave sight to the blind, you fed the poor, you were a man of gentleness, and above all, Lord, you, you came and died. And Lord, we know that right now you have come and you will come again. And Lord, we look forward to that, that moment. That moment, Lord, where we can put down our weapons and we can pick up the plow. Lord, we look forward to that moment where the, the violence that exists in this world will cease. That we will live arm in arm with our fellow man. And Lord, I pray for us right now that each and every one of us would live at peace, would be the voice of Isaiah, would be the voice of the one calling in the desert to say that there is hope in this world, that there is a savior by the name of Jesus Christ, that every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that no other name on earth can we be saved by. God, let us be that people because it doesn't matter what happens in this world. Lord, we look forward to the one that is head and we are grateful that you are our king. Amen.